0: I can remember the first time that I walked in through this door. Our family was, was getting ready to move, and we had probably looked at 15 to 20 different houses all over the Conejo Valley. Now, now, finding a place to live for our family was exhausting. There were certain things that we were looking for in a home, and I think our, our realtor could sense, could sense that we were getting restless with the search, that it was weighing on us. Uh, the house was staged with furniture that's much nicer than what we have in it now, much, much fancier than what we have now. And and as she walked through the living room and through the kitchen and through the, the backyard, she painted a picture of what our life could look like if we chose to live in this house. Kids playing in the backyard, a, a somewhat open floor plan so we could host Bible studies in one room while while the kids were, were playing with their friends in another a house that was somewhat move and ready that fit into our price range. Now, over the last two years, it's crazy to think we've been in this house for two years. But over the last two years, this house has moved from becoming a house to being our home. All kinds of memories have been made here for our family. All kinds of new beginnings have started here in this home. Now, over the last two weeks, we have talked about the sort of transformation that happens in homes and scripture. So we, we looked at Martha's house in Bethany. And last week, we talked about Judas's house in Damascus. So this morning, I want to invite us to step into a new beginning that begins in, in two homes, really, in, in the town of Joppa and in Caesarea. Now, these two towns were along the Mediterranean coast, about 35 miles from one another, Earlier, Tyler read from the beginning of Acts chapter 10, and we were introduced to a man named Cornelius. And we learned two things about Cornelius and what Tyler read. First, we learned that Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman guard. That essentially means that he was a, a, a non-commissioned officer who worked his way up the ranks. Today, we might think of Cornelius as, as being a captain. Second, he, he was someone who, who feared God and who was generous with what he had. Now, some scholars believe that, that Cornelius had converted to Judaism. And, and others say that, you know what, maybe we, we don't really know that, but we do know that he was a religious man, that he was a God-fearer. So he was maybe just generally spiritual, but, but didn't really have a faith community that he called his own. So Cornelius, he has this vision. And the vision isn't all that different from what what Paul had in his vision. And and he's told to send some men to Joppa, which is just down the coast, to find someone named Peter. And meanwhile, Peter, he had had his own vision. He's sitting on the the roof of a house of one of his friends in, in Joppa, and he hears a voice telling him that it was okay to eat meat that he had known for his entire life was not okay to, to eat that was off limits. It was food that, that wasn't kosher. And he hears this voice and he responds and he says, Lord, Lord, surely you don't really mean this. Surely you don't really want me to eat something that's unclean. And, and Jesus responds, Don't call anything that God has made unclean. So as Peter is trying to make sense of this, this vision he has, this, this voice he hears when he hears Jesus, he hears a knock on the door and it's the man that Cornelius is sent to his house he goes with them to Caesarea where he meets Cornelius and all of Cornelius's closest family members and friends and then starting in Acts chapter 10 at verse 34 we read this so Peter opened his mouth and said truly I understand that God shows no partiality but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him As for the word that he has sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know that what happened throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, and we are witnesses to all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ then they asked him to remain for some days this is the word of the lord thanks be to god peter's vision begins to make sense the moment that he walks into cornelius's house and sees his family and his friends all sitting there he says oh i get it now god doesn't show partiality god doesn't play favorites It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, if you're willing to follow God, if you're ready to follow God and do what God says, the door is open. And then he goes on to tell the story of Jesus. He he shares the entire gospel in a matter of minutes. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus did. And here's what it means for you. And he concludes, everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Then we see this moment that kind of mirrors, doesn't kind of, it actually mirrors what happens at Pentecost. Jesus promised his disciples that they'd be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And fulfillment of that promise happens in Cornelius's house. It starts in Cornelius's house. Now, geographically, Caesarea was hardly the ends of the earth. It really wasn't all that far from Jerusalem at all. But culturally, it was about as far as you could get. It was a Roman colony that was used kind of as a bridge into the rest of the world. King Herod had built ports there. He had kind of developed it as a launching place into the rest of the known world. Now, when you visit the ruins today, the colony looks more like what you might find in Greece than what you find in the rest of the holy land. So there's a hippodrome along the water that was used for chariot and horse racing. There's this giant Roman amphitheater, and there's all kinds of Greco-Roman art uh, mosaics and, and different pillars that were used in architecture. Caesarea replaced Jerusalem as the capital of Judea when it became a Roman province. So, so in addition to being a, a major port into the rest of the world, it was, it was this place where, where governors lived, where people of significance moved just because they wanted to, to be in a place that was really multicultural. So in some ways, it, it wouldn't be too far of a stretch to say it was kind of like Los Angeles or, or maybe, maybe like New York. People were always coming and going from all over the known world. Now, last week, I mentioned that everyone who who witnessed Ananias walking into Judas's home in Damascus and calling Paul brother, all of them, everybody who witnessed it was was transformed by the event. From those who traveled with Paul to to those who were next door neighbors. The the same is true for Cornelius and his family. The, The spirit falls on the house. Peter, he baptizes. He says, hey, it's time. Let's baptize all of these these Gentiles that are here. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be one of Cornelius's neighbors? What what would you have thought? Uh, Imagine that that you were someone who has worked in the Roman guard with him, maybe. You you knew Cornelius, but but this? How would you react? Now, the next chapter in Acts tells us that that some of the other Christians who are there with Peter, they kind of sneak out the back door of Cornelius's house, and they, they run to Jerusalem to tell all the other disciples about what is happening. Imagine you're one of them. Imagine that you're one of the, the early Christians. What is Peter doing? Is this really happening? Is it is it even legit? Does this, this make sense? Now, from that moment forward, the church would look completely different. It would function different. It would sound different. It would involve different cultures. It was beautiful and messy all at once. Now, as Christians today, all, all over the world, worship in our homes instead of in sanctuaries, as we learn to practice our faith and to connect with one another in new ways, I think we're experiencing one of these, these new beginnings where the church is never going to look the same as well. The, the post-COVID-19 church looks very different than the pre-COVID-19 church. And it's beautiful, and it's messy, it's challenging, and it's rewarding all at once. So the question for us this morning really is, are we paying attention to where the Spirit is moving? Are we doing what Cornelius and his family were doing that day? Are we listening from our homes? Are we willing to sit in the discomfort for a bit so that we might be transformed and see a new and different church? Now, over these next few days and weeks, I want to invite us to be intentional, to spend some time listening to the spirit, to reimagine what the church might look like in our quickly changing world. Let's listen to the spirit together. Let's pray. Lord, may we be a a church community that embraces how you're moving in this world, embraces the places you're moving in this world, that embraces you moving in our homes. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.